This is Hell to Japan. And tonight, we will be talking about English teaching in Japan. What do you think about that? I think it's a worthy topic to discuss. It is, isn't it? It is. Oh, my God. It's so much. Yeah, I, I believe that you're going to have an angle. Well, <laughs> it's a very simple angle. <laughs> very, very, yeah, it's, uh, it's based upon my own experience. <clears throat> yeah. And also my experience of living in Japan for many mm-hmm. years. Yeah. Uh, and also having to have conversations with Japanese people. Uh, I know this is in Japan. I, we're living in Japan. And mm-hmm. so I, sh- I should be speaking Japanese to mm-hmm. people. Uh, yeah. But given the resources, the investment that Japan has put into English teaching, I would just think that there would be a greater number of people who could actually speak English. Mm. Unfortunately, that's not the case, is it? No. Not so much. So I think it's a shitty uh, shitty system in general. Uh, I think uh, it continues to be a joke. Uh, not the funny sort of joke mm-hmm. that would make you laugh. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of uh, invites shame and doubt and... <laughs> Uh, a, a sad truth that no one wants to recognize because sounds like the you Catholic know, Church it, you're talking about. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> but it's like uh, you know, it, it, it reminds me of this quote I uh, I, I I I read. Uh, there's a guy named uh, Upton Sinclair in America. I, I forgot. Mm-hmm. It was like a politician. I forgot when it was, but maybe in the 30s. But he said that it is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on his not understanding it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that somehow uh, English teachers themselves are uh, a part of this system where you know everybody's being paid to be an com- uh, English conversation teacher or uh, work in schools, but it's, it's a broken system and no one wants to recognize it. That's what I think. How's that for an opener? That sounds good. I think we can go from there. <laughs> you got to start yeah, somewhere. So I'm going out with all all guns blazing on this fucking topic. <laughs> I reckon. I, I think it's a sh- it's a fucking sham. I think uh, it's. Uh, I I know, but the thing is, you got a lot to lose. Like like that quote I just recited. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's you. You 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 have a lot to lose because your livelihood depends upon you teaching. Mm-hmm. So you can't really question the foundations on which you have a job in Japan. Wait wait wait. W- w- why can't I question the foundations? Uh, because you don't think anyone is questioning the foundation <laughs> of English teaching in Japan. You think it's just going on and I'm on. Presumptuous. And to have I'm being no... presumptuous. Yeah, I'm no, being presumptuous. Yeah. But yeah. I, I mean more of a conflict of interest. There's a conflict of interest there. I don't think there is a conflict of interest there. I think most people who are serious about English education are constantly looking for ways to improve the system. And when I went to graduate school, getting my TESOL certification and master's degree in linguistics and that kind of crap, the you know the teachers there were equally frustrated and puzzled by the by the lack of English proficiency in the country. And no matter what language system is set up for, the the language within the uh, 
Ministry of Education's uh, guidelines for creating more communicative classes and classes where there's more opportunity to speak English and also all of these what for the most part are kind of sadly sad to say pie in the sky aspirations um, of, of having deeper academic knowledge uh, setting up guidelines where it's the ability to have a conversation the ability to travel abroad the ability to uh, have a discussion in a classroom, the ability to conduct a presentation, to have a debate in, in an academic atmosphere. All of these things are uh, talked about and, and, and everyone is trying to, or the top level educators are trying to find different ways that schools on a grand scale can develop these ideas. But everyone has the problem is that every location has its own problem and uh, and its own level of resources, and also the proficiency of many English teachers uh, over the age of fifty are often uh, not very high, and so you have teachers who are ha have uh, created a, a kind of a a situation in their classroom where they teach to what they know, which often is grammar, uh, kind of explanation of grammar, which is more uh, mental, you know, mind tennis or, you know, mind puzzles rather than actual communication. So you have that level and then you have younger teachers who have lots of motivation to apply new ideas. In, in, in a system where the older guard has their own way of doing things. But there are things that are happening that are changing. And one of the things that has is going to change in the next couple of years, and I know it's at running at a snail pace, which is changing the, the center test, the exam system for university. So for a long time, the exam test was asking grammar-based questions and also idiomatic expressions that no one uses. For example, a rolling stone gathers no moss. You know, they'd have to Ooh. memorize. Students would have to memorize that okay, because it might be on the test. But I think I have a great you, conversation with my grandparents. <laughs> yeah. So there's, you know, that, that type of issue that goes on. But soon it will be more uh, content based testing. And also there are certain there are newer tests that have been developed in Japan, including the TEEP test, which is a test that uh, is similar to the TOEFL test. Uh, yeah, which is a world, a worldwide, globally recognized test of English, but this TEEP test will be is more recognized and more specific to the Japanese situation. So maybe the vocabulary level and the, the tasks within it are more geared towards the Japanese population. So there is no grammar section, but there is a speaking section where students have to express different ideas of varying degree of difficulty there's a writing section two writings in it where there's a summary they have to read something and summarize it and then uh, mm. write an essay and then there's uh, a reading section and the you know the listening sections 
And although it might not be the perfect test, it is a definite jump in uh, philosophy from the old guard of testing for those idioms and grammatical ability and things like that. Right. So it's not like everyone's sitting on their hands about that, you know, about English education. Um, and there well, are yeah. the, the jet the jet program the jet program mm -hmm. uh, the you're familiar with the jet program yeah. the Jap Japan Exchange and tra uh, Teaching Program mm -hmm. which was established in 1987 mm -hmm. uh, started with the purpose of increasing mutual understanding between the people of Japan and the people mm -hmm. of other nations right. when they say other nations they mean native English speaking countries like Basically, prestige yeah. countries that are native mm -hmm. English speakers uh, but they uh, I mean does this have any impact at all on people being able to speak English my argument is no uh, in fact I think it's done more for foreigners because uh, uh, no one in Japan has I mean expects a native English speaker speaking English to be able to explain the grammar of English. Mm -hmm. uh, so the bar of entry is low for any foreigner coming in. Mm -hmm. So all of these uh, English native English speakers who come into Japan, I think uh, some of them who I've met through drinking and bars are uh, mm -hmm. fucking retards from mm -hmm. the English-speaking world, mm -hmm. all that the English-speaking world has to offer. Right. Uh, I've met them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't think that's a good... Uh, barometer for anyone uh, in Japan to, to mm -hmm. learn a language from and and they put they they put themselves in a corner because all their English teaching focus was on grammar uh, by Japanese teachers who couldn't pronounce words properly couldn't mm -hmm. actually form a, a coherent sentence so they thought okay let's uh, open it up to these native English speakers and so you bring in these native English speakers and uh, don't worry you don't have to understand your own language very well so all you have to do is just speak to us. In fact, we're going to, uh, the whole uh, private sector are going to open up English conversation schools like Nova and Gabba and all of these uh, English conversation schools which are just developed around uh, giving Japanese exposure to talking to real foreigners in Japan. Mm. But I think it's, uh, I think the whole uh, premise, the endeavor was destined to fail. And, uh, I mean, you do see exceptions, like people who regularly go to conversation classes like three or four times a week where mm -hmm. they're getting real exposure without having to go overseas. Mm -hmm. But these people have the money. They have the resources right. in order to get that kind of uh, mm -hmm. exposure to English right. from people who who, yeah, who don't even understand their own language very well. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, the, the, point, the point I'm trying to make is, is that uh, it's not, uh, like what you just mentioned, I, mm -hmm. I, I haven't heard of that before. This new uh, entry entrance exam into university, maybe that mm -hmm. can help. But I think it starts from a like a more more fundamental level. It, it mm -hmm. starts from just what are we getting out of paying these English teachers a, a pretty good salary? You've mm -hmm. got to admit, right? With no work experience in mm -hmm. your early twenties, it's like a working mm -hmm. holiday visa for New Zealanders and Australians and English. You come over and you just, all you have to, your only um, credential is, oh, I come from a native English-speaking country. That's it. You've you got luck. You got That's about it. You know, No criminal history. Uh, you you got a bachelor's degree. Uh, not an education, but, uh, but just through the luck of the draw, you were born in the right country. And they're not even, they're actually... Um, 
discounting a lot of Scandinavians, like you know, um, you, people in in these uh, like in in Norwegian countries as well. You, you've got people who speak English with possibly more finesse and more sophistication than many native English speakers, and they're learning English as a uh, as a second language. And many of these people understand uh, English better than most native English speakers. Why aren't they uh, enabling these people to actually teach in Japan? So that's another issue I have. Yeah, I think it has to do with the belief systems of what, what how you go about learning English. And one of the things that has changed, uh, at least at the academic university level in this respect, is that uh, people, at least uh, some universities, are looking more towards Europe for how they go about actually teaching English because they see that Europe is the place where there's more than one language being spoken and many people can actually speak English uh, as a second language. And they're also looking at the ways in which uh, Europeans use the language of English. It's not all that all, all Europeans have uh, a perfect fluency in the language, but it's kind of what I would call, I guess what is called domain specific. So you have people who do have to use it for business, whereas you have other people who can just travel a little bit. So they, they don't have the business level of English, but they're able to go between different countries and use it as a, uh, a common language uh, to, to communicate to hotel staff or whatever. And so when they start to look at this, this is how they start to develop the Japanese educators starting to develop a new way of looking at how to actually uh, test English and how to teach it. And so one of the, the ways is through this um, idea of content based instruction in which you don't concentrate too heavily on the on the grammatical side, but you start teaching meaningful input of subject matter and by doing that then you're exposing students to uh, of course being comprehensible input which allows them to think about things that they hadn't thought about in a second language before but controlled to the point where it's just a little bit more difficult than what they already understand now and what's so, an example of the subject matter well, physics it could be any it could be some some people might be trying to teach physics there might be uh topics in law there might be topics in social studies uh could be in drama it could be uh in some sort of science uh, or a social issue i guess that's a branch of social studies and uh or it could be something in the news that uh you, you know you want uh, students to think about um and so by doing this type of changing perspective on that, then you, you might have teachers accessing different information and content to express new ideas in the classroom. And that doesn't necessarily mean that teachers or Japanese teachers of English suddenly have to be perfect English speakers. It, it could be that they are using all kinds of different uh, resources at their disposal. So it, it for example, like taking an article and having students maybe reading a, a Japanese translation of something 
so that they have a, a deeper base of what, what's being spoken and then building up vocabulary lists for them and then having uh, them write down their ideas and then from there having a discussion about what, they've, what they're trying to understand in that, in that area. Um, so th there's that idea. And then there's also, I think, uh, maybe another side to it, which is people should have first a conversational ability before they go start going delving deep into some topic. Uh, and so some people believe that you, you should be really focusing on tasks which allow them to communicate ideas that are not so deeply academic at first. Mm. But but so there, I think there is that divide and I think there's valid points for either side what the, the valid point for the content-based instruction is that you're in a school so you should be uh, exposing students to things that maybe they might be trying to learn in their Japanese social studies class or their science class if they can understand that concept in in Japanese then you can introduce it to them in English and uh, they already have a kind of scaffolding background knowledge to it so they can start to perhaps discuss things as long as the vocabulary is presented uh, and, and they understand the, the, the grammatical structures within that. But it all has to do with this idea that we can't constantly expose students to just uh, grammatical formations. But, you know, there, there's so many different ways of, of looking at how to learn a language and, you know, the, the main thing is the thing that I think is the biggest problem in Japan regarding English, English proficiency is a poverty of input. There's just not enough. And when I talk about poverty, even I'm talking about not enough comprehensible input for students, because if you constantly have input that's at the student's level of understanding, then there's no push for learning. You, you're not gaining anything, mm, but yeah. you, you constantly have to have a little incremental uh, push for push for meaning at, at the content level so that they can learn some new things and then communicate those ideas and then move through a task, whether it be a writing task or trying to communicate what they want somehow you know somewhere else right and, and i uh, think all do you, yeah, yeah yeah go ahead go uh, sorry do you you said do you mm -hmm. uh i was saying do you remember the last time we talked about uh tackling this topic i mentioned pimsler mhm mm a pimsler pimsler is a language program it's p i m s l e u r uh founded by this american uh guy uh, I think it was back in the actually 60s. This is a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, but they came out with a lot of audio cassettes, uh, I think, in the 80s to help business people learn a language when they were mm -hmm. where they were traveling to. So I actually tried this out uh, several years ago while I was in Japan. And uh, it's all audio. And mm -hmm. every, uh, I think it's a course of three or four months. And I, I mean, I fell off the bandwagon just through just drinking. But... Mm -hmm. uh, once you lose <laughs> thread, like consistency is important with any kind right, of uh, right. language program. But uh, but what I noticed was is that it's all very logical and it's all based upon how 
human beings learn a language. So mm-hmm. it was all based upon me listening and then repeating, mm-hmm. listening, mm-hmm. repeating. And then the context would just suddenly change. Not suddenly, but just uh, very subtly, subtly change into uh, another situation where the grammar is being introduced organically. But you're always going back to uh, a base knowledge of both uh, the verbs, uh, nouns, um, grammatical structure, which is which is all situation contextually based, um, and and my Japanese like pronunciation just went through the roof. I, mm-hmm. I was able to start sounding far better than how I would just through going through books or even just instruction from a Japanese teacher. So uh, I think there's something to be said about this kind of system where I think Japanese are afraid of making a mistake. They, they're very much against the idea of, of making any mistakes. I think culturally speaking, it's, it, it shows that you failed. But with any kind of language learning, you've got to fail in order to progress. Mm. And um, so I think having this kind of system from a young age... I think that would go a long way towards giving Japanese the confidence. I mean, you're talking about like a, a many layers above where I think Japanese should be focused. But from a young age, getting um, giving kids the confidence uh, in, in which to, to make mistakes and, and also to, to acquire this pronunciation, this, this, this fluency, which I think will go a long way towards them being more engaged in, in your lessons, for example, at your um, high school, right? I think that yeah. uh, once I think it's far too late. You're talking about tests, which is, I think it's it's putting a bandaid on a gaping wound. Let's let's so, let's try to like identify, like let's go to the uh, the foundations of of when you're born as a Japanese person and how you're introduced to the language. And this is a test. I mean, this Pimsleur system is for businessmen, but I mean, you can uh, tailor it to to kids and like in their teenage years just to go through this system in english to actually learn english with the right pronunciation and then get a a a solid grounding as a businessman would in the 80s on how to handle a variety of different uh, situations that's i mean that was just an idea i i I came across i mean that's something which i don't see people just send their kids to these fucking kindergartens and schools where they have a teacher who like i said not the the best that native uh, english-speaking countries have to offer um i think now they're a little more stringent now you need certain qualifications now to teach at these kind of kindergartens but uh, I think it's still far and few between. I think the majority of them are just, uh, you know, uh, guys who have no direction in their lives, but they're getting paid a good, a good salary, three hundred thousand yen uh, a month. What's that? Three thousand dollars? Three thousand American dollars a month to teach kids out of a book to get them to to recite the ABC, to point at uh, uh, b- uh, pictures in a book, say elephant. Or uh, fucking whatever. <laughs> just looking at animals. I mean, yeah, it's just. I think it's uh, it's rotten at the core. It really is. Well, the the um, Pimsleur, as you explain, it, is actually what is called the audiolingual method, which developed back in the 1940s, right after the end of the war, and it was used to train people uh, that were going overseas for government assignments. Now, what has been discovered with this with this methodology is this. It works really well when you're in a second language environment, meaning a, an environment in which the language around you is the language that you're studying. 
However, what they found through research is that, and this is the situation that you're in, you're in Japan and you're learning uh, Japan as a second language. So it's a JSL, Japanese as a second language. And so uh, when you when you have that focus, you're not suffering from a poverty of input. You have lots and lots of people. You, you go out to a shop and you hear Japanese. You hear other people. You might have some friends that speak mm, Japanese. Turn on the TV. Yeah, you turn on the TV. So there's mm. all this input. So in addition to that, when you introduce the uh, audiolingual method, which is all the, the set, which is exactly as you said, perfectly right you're listening to it you have these grammatical structures there's context given to you and then you can repeat and then develop your pronunciation levels along those lines and a lot of people say that's a really good way to learn and for many many decades it was considered the 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 best way but then when they start to look at research into english as a foreign language or language as a foreign language in which in the case of Japan where the the language is not spoken outside of the classroom then it it didn't have as many good returns and we have books that are partially based on the audiolinguist method so for example uh, and most i mean i wouldn't even i would say that most situations there there is elements taken out of it for example the you know the choral repetition and oh, here's the grammar structure. But, uh, for example, like the Let's Go series, I'm sure you're familiar. You probably use that book mm. when you're teaching English. That's partially based on the audiolingual method in which there is a, a conversation presented. And then within that conversation, there is some grammatical structure which is unique to that unit. And then a set of vocabulary to create uh, and pictures to create context. And then there's, you know, all these actions that they should be doing. And so then there's like the total physical response activities that are incorporated into it. And those kids will go to either a language class or maybe in their school they're learning that. And they'll repeat that that thing and do a little game and all that stuff. And then when they go home, they don't have any more access to English. They might have some sort of... Uh, input with a CD that comes with their book, but it's not enough to uh, round out their English practice. One of the most important elements of, you know, language learning is interaction. And the audiolingual method is very, very good in helping you repeat and helping you learn a grammatical structure. And as long as there's a role play involved, you can somehow uh, work with another classmate or work with the teacher to develop your abilities. But imagine yourself do, going through all of that and then, and then leaving the classroom and thinking, well, what, when am I ever going to use this? That's a fair point. I get it. And you so, said the poverty of input. Yeah. It's, and so... Uh, so yeah. that's why there's no there's no uh, exposure to engagement or interactions on which you can actually use what you're learning, um, and there's no real unless you've got like a native English speaking friend or, mm. um, and also the teaching, the the English teaching in the public school or private school or maybe not other students are not uh, up to that same level so. 
there's really little incentive for you to yeah, to right. continue with what you're doing. Yeah, you, you have to create like a, and that's why they're talking about like more content-based lessons because then it, at least it applies to like the academic setting. Mm. So you you have you're learning something at you're learning something outside of just the the English language and so I, I don't know if you've ever felt this way like learning Japanese but for me like if I first time I opened up a, a novel a Japanese novel and I could read the first sentence I, I felt so much satisfaction from that that I was able, oh, I'm not just reading a textbook. I'm mm. actually, I actually can understand something that's written in a book that is for Japanese speakers or looking through the newspaper and being able to comprehend for the most part what's being written about there, what's, what the news is. And I think the, those such, that, that context uh, of content, that content create uh, is a, uh, is an, is a new way of uh, of creating um, a more meaningful classroom. Um, I, I do think that you know students do need a, a base of grammar, and they do need to you know work on pronunciation and all, all these different types of mechanics of of language. But at the same time, if there isn't enough outside of classroom input then those all those structures just are are, are lost i i think for, right for the most yeah. part it's it's kind of a problem okay so your 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 main argument is that due to being in japan growing mm -hmm. up in japan and just simply being in japan as a japanese person that you're not going to have the uh, the majority of you as a Japanese person, you're not going to have the right inputs. You're not going to have enough exposure to English for for you to make much headway unless you are passionate about yeah. learning the language. Right. Whereas, let's face it, when you're young, you don't give a fuck because it doesn't mean anything because you're not traveling overseas. Um, and you can just live your life happily without ever speaking a word of English. Mm. Uh but then that also ties in with uh, what I've always recommended people when I used to teach English. Mm -hmm. uh, I, people used to ask me all the time, like, how do I get better? I just want to get better at having a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, get the fuck out of here then. Mm -hmm. Get the fuck out of here. Don't, st don't spend another minute in Japan. Get out. Go to any number of countries where you are exposed to English. That's the only way that you can make um, exponential progress, I think. That's, the, that's what I said to people. I said, mm -hmm. get, just get the fuck out of here. If you right. really want to learn the language, get out and uh, spend uh, six months, a year, uh, do a working holiday visa, like what mm -hmm. I did when I came to Japan, do a working holiday right. visa, and go and live in these countries because I can guarantee you they will not be as free or as accommodating as Japan was with me. Right. No. In Japan, no, no. I can get away with just speaking English, but good luck in New Zealand with your Japanese because people will say, what the fuck? I don't understand what you're fucking saying. Speak mm. English. 
or get and the fuck only, out of our country. Or, or <laughs> not only that, it's like when you're speaking English and you don't have the correct pronunciation or you flub up something, people don't have any fucking patience. No, of course not. None. Zero. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and so, that would, yeah. yeah. Sorry, so, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So, and that's quite different from the Japanese mindset, which is no one expects you to speak fucking Japanese. Right. No one thinks that you you coming from another country should be able to speak Japanese. And so there's a level of patience that is afforded you that is well beyond anything that would ever be given to someone who doesn't know how to speak English well in America. Jesus Christ, mm, people are yeah. fucking just don't have any time for you if you can't speak the language perfectly. And you, you see it right from once you enter America at the customs. The, they don't even know, they don't take any time to lower the level of language being used towards you. Mm, right. They, they they won't say, where are you staying? What's your accommodation? Right. Uh, and uh, do, you, do you have any firearms on you? It's like firearms. My arm's on fire? No, I, I don't have any firearms. Mm. You know, it's like they, they, there, there's no... Not, I wouldn't say dumbing down, but there's no uh, attention to what a second language speaker might understand. Hmm. And w- whereas that, that does, you know, there is constant accommodation in Japan over that. So, yeah, going overseas to learn language is to learn the language that is where it's spoken is, you know, the best way, the fastest way hmm. to to gaining proficiency but then but then again you imagine you go overseas like i've um i've had some very sad experiences meeting japanese uh professionals who've gone over uh overseas with young kids and these young kids come back to japan with native level uh, english ability and fluency and uh, and they go through the public system, and it just gets beaten out of them, mm-hmm. um, because you know the nail that stands out gets fucking nailed in, mm-hmm. and it's it's sad. Uh, the only way, the only recourse they have is to put them in a private school, which costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, even yeah, I've met many Japanese who have uh, who are fluent in English, but once they come back to Japan, even at multinational companies where they're no longer in that environment. So I guess this supports your argument. It's the input. Mm. It's uh, once you come back to Japan, you just kiss your English uh, fluency goodbye unless you've got native English-speaking friends or you're watching a lot of uh, uh, English programming or um, you're reading English literature or uh, non-fiction or English non-fiction or you're just trying to keep, Japan out <laughs> or kanji yeah. out of your yeah. head. You want to keep it out so that you can uh, maintain what you have and and try to build upon it, even though it's close to impossible. Yeah, you while you're in Japan, like, the, like the, the the Asian countries where English is spoken, Singapore, out, Singapore, it, Philippines, uh, Malaysia, Philippines. Uh, these are all former, even colonies. parts of China. Yeah, mm. former, former, mostly Malaysia. Yeah, for, formal. Formal, former colonies of 
you know I think you I think you don't have the proper inputs either yeah I, I'm losing my uh, <laughs> input I need to you gotta get the fuck out this, of Japan if you want to maintain to do your this, English <laughs> I need to do this podcast more often I think <laughs> yeah I know uh, it, it's um but then you know there is the you know China it, and also the question of international schools uh, and South Korea I think the the levels if you look at the TOEFL scores across Asia Japan is right above North Korea wow so good for Japan yeah 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 so I mean that's just and so educators look at that and are just like what the fuck why the fuck because you you look at other aspects of of Japanese education it's you know, top five, top ten in science and math. Yeah, I know. And, and it's like, what the hell? The end, but it's... Well, that's it, why it, I started off this yeah. conversation by saying mm. it's a fucking shitty... Uh, compl- it's, a, it's, a, it's a system which has churned out people who can't speak a language, which I think, I think you know, that they've spent so much money and resources into it. Mm. I have no idea how much this jet program is costing or the working holiday visa, what kind of arrangements they have with other um, native English-speaking countries, but uh, I don't think there's a lot of return on investment in any of these mm. programs. Well, you know, the problem is, is like a lot of st- students who uh, I've taught who graduate and then they come back three months later and they're afraid to talk to me. Mm. Because they, they're like, no, I don't, I don't remember anything. Yeah. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like done. It's not, or a year later, forget it. Unless the, the kids entered like uh, an English department and then mm. the, they can maintain their English and improve and get better or they, they went somewhere else. It's amazing that there are, there are these kids who, uh, from a young age, they just hooked into the language and are incredibly proficient. It's like I, I don't I don't know if you can call them savants, but it's like these kids have to be studied and the level of motivation and what clicks in their brain because they're getting the same amount of input as everyone else and somehow they can excel in the language at a level that's like there's a kid in my class for a few years where he he never he never spent any really long extended period of time in other countries in english speaking of course he visited but you know a lot of japanese kids visit english speaking countries over you know vacation or something like that but regardless he was able to like okay i have a writing assignment i want you to write in class Right, one page on your opinion on I don't know tax increase or whatever the fuck, and like he'd be finished in five minutes, a full page, written mm. paragraph on his opinion. It's like, oh, I'm yeah. done. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> like mm. other kids are like mm. struggling to get out the paragraph, and maybe they need the full ten minutes to write out a full paragraph, but he would be done in mm. two or three minutes. And it's like you look at that kid, and you look at the other kids, and it's like. Why? Why is oh, that it's just guy? gifted? Yeah, it, it's amazing. I mean, it's every it's, every country, you'll see yeah. some uh, part of the population who pick up shit faster than others and make yeah. everyone else sort of like retard. But yeah. I mean, that's like in 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 New Zealand, you've got mm-hmm. um, classes. We've got a mainstream class. Uh, you've got a class below below mainstream, 
and then you've got an advanced class. So you've actually got tiers in high school based upon right. the tests that you take beforehand mm-hmm. to get into them. So you've already split them up. Is that the mm-hmm. same in America? Do you have different tiers? Yeah, you have like uh, uh, high level AP uh, AP classes, I think they're called, and then the average and then lower level classes. Oh, okay, similar. Okay, yeah. Good. And you know, the I don't think they have them it, here in Japan. Yeah, they don't have those those tiers. Uh, so you've got like the most brilliant kids with the retards. Well, there's in my school there are tiers to a certain degree, and they did have. Uh, like a, a a level B level C level classes, um, oh, okay, for English, and then here in the high school level there would be like different um, based on what your future, what you envision your future being. There'll be this class and this class, and there's there's a class where kids are you know kind of more proficient in English than other kids, so uh, they're they're split up in a little little bit more organized way. So not everyone, not the like the kid who can't read the alphabet isn't sitting next to the kid who or spent has a, four has a years. crayon and he's drawing <laughs> versus the kid who's writing an essay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not that. There, there, there can be a wide disparity, but it, it's not that wide. Um, okay. So it, it's it's an interesting situation, and I think you know teachers are also at a. You know they're they're constantly you know teachers are trying constantly trying to find new materials to develop and to engage students with and I think you know it it doesn't really matter I I think to a certain extent how much English is spoken in the class if in fact students remained motivated to learn English because that motivation can propel them in the future to continue their studies. And so if that is held, then that could create a positive momentum in society where possibly more companies use English as the uh, as a mode of business language. Um, if not, and it's just considered something that is done in school, then it's not really going to create any momentum. So motivation is a really big aspect of, of language learning or anything for that matter, for subject learning in school. It, and it, it just goes back to the whole idea. If you're not, if you don't really understand what, what you're doing with the language, then you're going to just drop it once you're finished your, your studies in school. And right. that's uh, that's another thing. And, you know, like you said, like there's all these language schools. I worked in a language. So we worked in the same sc- language school together. And uh, some of these schools, like they don't have <clears throat> they don't really have any actual resources to help these people who they know don't have any teaching experience. Now, one thing we say about the, the JET program, I would say that the JET program has improved a great deal as far as supplying resources and they have there's a jet that works in my school they have like monthly training meetings and get togethers and symposium not monthly symposiums but uh, they they often check in with them and they they have the student the teachers have access to previous teachers ideas and booklets and all kinds of things so they they have i think leaps and bounds over the something 15 or 20 years ago i think there's a a lot more support 
meaningful support for them that allows them to, you know these new teachers who might not have any teaching experience to actually train themselves because that I mean you look at a teacher basically a teacher is not really learning even a, you know an English a Japanese English teacher is not really learning how to teach English in university you you get the um this teacher's license and it's it, it I've asked that you do you get any teacher training as far as like how to teach an English class and it's no you have to be mo motivated as a teacher to figure out what exactly would be good for the, the students to learn and so then that leaves you up to okay well here's the textbook that is distributed and these are the tests that help them pat that uh, they need to pass to go to university or get into the next high school or whatever and then it starts being based on that type of stuff and of course there's going to be diamonds in the rough who know exactly what to do in order to motivate their students and provide them with good input and then they have students who really want to learn English more and more so it, it's partially about how you go about learning how to teach as well I think it's a, it's a big, big issue, I think, in Japan. Probably in America, too. I mean, it's just, it's really hard to figure out, you know. You have to be of a certain mind to really know how to go about it. Well, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, it, I, I, I see where you're coming from about the inputs, the way that they're, the Japanese don't have a lot of exposure, which I guess is why they came up with conversation schools so that they can give each other the ch uh, give Japanese the chance to actually speak to a foreigner on a mm. regular basis right. because there are no other chances afforded them so in lieu of uh, travel overseas yeah let's uh, just pay for a foreigner to talk to us in a cafe or in, a, right. in an environment a casual environment where the foreigner is uh, bringing up com uh, different situations and so we can yeah imagine that we're we're, we're traveling together i mean i would have killed like when I, I learned japanese a little bit for one year before i came to japan at university and there was like a, a japanese exchange students who i could be like a language partner but it was the most it didn't really do anything and i, I think i really would have i would kill to have someone who was even who had some sort of conversational set up kind of a conversational um, class where we could sit and just practice speaking and no matter even if it was at the the crappy level of say like the the shittiest ekaiwa in japan i think i would have liked it because it it's you know some exposure is better than none but again, at the same time, your point being that it's way too expensive. Like hmm. the amount of money being used is just way too much. It's just bizarre. Yeah. I think the return on investment, mm -hmm. I'd, I'd like to just look at the numbers, but I think mm -hmm. that given how much money you spend on a conversation school versus mm -hmm. going overseas on a working holiday visa for six months, I would like to see those numbers because I think... Uh, they're pretty similar. Pretty similar. Mm. Yeah. But even if I, it is mm. slightly above, mm -hmm. you going to conversation school, it's well fucking worth it. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, to, there's to, also to like to go from like learning like from one speed to to ten x yeah. your uh, the, your ability the, to to retain and to use the language. But also, you know, you have to think about like the the work lifestyles of most Japanese, and also, you know, if they take that time off to go overseas, it might completely disrupt their whole work. Hmm lifestyle and then they're they're out of the kind of loop of uh, of that world and for some people that's preferable they don't want to be in that but for others who are looking for that security it might make life a little bit more difficult even if they have that new skill of english because even i think so oftentimes like when my wife worked in certain companies they since she was married to me they figured she knew all the english that they needed f that she could possibly know and like they would always assign her to these various strange english things activities but she didn't really need to know any english so mm. even like the thing that they were telling her that she needed to know english for it wasn't really all that necessary and i think that's the level that most businesses in japan are working at Oh, something else it brings me, it comes to mind. Like, I think within about five years, the earbud language translation system thing is mm. going to make, like, for oh, that's the a big difference. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's going like, to like be... Like real-time translation? Real-time <laughs> translation. It's going to... Because they're, they're already existing. They already exist right now. Yeah. But but they don't maybe they're not quite at the level that people expect them to be but i think in five years or so yeah with ai with advances in ai and all that shit you're talking about making yourself redundant then well Your yeah job. but but i'm saying that's like <laughs> realistic I, I think it's realistic and the only reason that anyone would ever try to learn a language again is just for self-improvement it oh, would just up be someone from, Picking up like a girl overseas yeah. if you're Japanese or, or yeah, or, or yeah. a guy if you're a Japanese girl. Well, or then you just Hom Homosexual, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like dating, yeah. relationships. Right. That would be, probably be the only reason for you to speak another language. Yeah. But then once you have the translation device, then you don't need it. But like for kind of like the self Oh, I think it'll get a little bit tiring if you're with yeah. someone. Yeah, you think so? Dating someone? Yeah, I maybe. think if you got the earbuds in and you're just talking. Because I, I knew a guy a long, long time ago when I was in university. He dated a Japanese girl for six months. She knew no English and he knew no Japanese. Mm. They did wow, it's a language of love, you know? Months. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, for, well, you know, if you want to date somebody from a different culture and it's you just want to experience that then you know earbuds in five years fuck mm. it'll just be yeah. yeah what you can use i, I don't think it'll be any mm. problem like it'll just be like i want to improve my brain power so i'm learning a language i want right. to improve myself as a human well the cognitive benefits can't be un underestimated that's but, right you know, bilinguals yeah. trilingual people they they have an advantage over monolinguals yeah there's, I mean, yeah, definite research and what this Bialy Stock, Professor Bialy Stock, talking about how, you know, bilinguals delay the onset of uh, dementia by about five years. Right. So the quality of life is much longer or significantly longer than those who are monolingual.
people. But well, you're you're talking about disrupting language learning, but what about just education in general? Mm-hmm. I mean, me- like memorization doesn't make much sense when everybody has access to Google. Yeah, uh, learning learning speeds are different for everyone. Learning right. styles are different for everyone. Yeah, uh, I mean, English system was the the system itself was based upon uh, like a conveyor belt of people to be useful to society in right. factory jobs, right? right? Just giving them giving the people enough liter- literacy to mm-hmm. to be able to to perform menial tasks, and uh, and nowadays I don't think we should. Um, think about education the same way i think it's mm. that we should have more self-guided learning i think mm. you, people can actually spend time at home and actually learn whatever the fuck they want because the mm. internet is the greatest web of um uh knowledge ever created if you have a desire to learn something you can fucking find it mm. um and uh the argument against that is schools create these social um, relationships, you know, homeschooled kids versus kids who actually mm. go to school. Um, but I think there are other ways for kids to be socialized. I don't know if school's well, the I right mean, way. I think also you can create these independent learning spaces within a school. Yeah, well, that's not? true too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's. A, I mean, also here's another thing. Why don't we teach more fucking important shit? Fucking practical construction of technology, or or mm-hmm. being healthy, or nutrition, mm-hmm. or cooking, mm-hmm. or um, having positive relationships, or meditation. Why aren't we well, doing shit like that? I mean, there's home economics. I mean, my school has home. Oh, economics okay, okay. And, yeah, yeah. They still have it, and there's okay. art, and uh, you know, at least in the classes that I've been in you know recently they're they're learning like about maybe the future of technology or uh you know the you know the sdgs are really big so anything related to like sustainability and uh how we go about that and there's all kinds of programs about like outreach in the community and things like that but those those are outside of the classroom stuff but mm. I think there's a lot of things going on in various schools to look towards the future of education because I think uh, there must be a subconscious, at least uh, on some levels, subconscious impetus for it because they know that in the future, <laughs> mm. the the normal modes of education just aren't gonna aren't gonna cut it, and the the, the notion of a school has to change because of that. Um, uh, sorry, what I said about uh, education before, I thought they were my own notes, but I took it from, from a guy named uh, Naval Ravikant, and he's an uh, American entrepreneur and investor. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was some of his thoughts regarding uh, education, about mm-hmm. um, memorization, learning speeds, and learning styles, and uh, how different subjects, I mean, we should reprioritize what kids learn for the new age. But uh, I think his point was that we're still living in the past in terms of how we educate our kids. I mean, they they are um, uh, they are sponges. Mm. They 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 just need the right tools mm. um, in order to 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 lead healthy, fulfilling lives. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, social media is going a long way towards destroying what innocence you know, these young kids have. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, we're, we're so exposed to Western media, even though we live in Japan. But, like, I wonder, you know, the kids, you know, they're on Instagram and they're online 
things like that but i don't think there's it's as toxic as it is in america like the actually well i was going to disagree I, um, I, i'd have to disagree because i think there's just as much if not more um uh pressure to conform among japanese young japanese if if you're out out of the group people yeah ja- i think i think japanese culture can really push you can really punish you in a way they, that western western society you've got more outlets in western society to yeah, seek I, refuge whereas yeah, in japan know. i think you're basically on your own if you're fucking high school like your peers hate you and also your parents don't have maybe not, not enough time for you uh i think uh yeah there'd be more suicides here I mean, we'd have to check the numbers. I mean, also, but I'm not uh, talking about that angle. I'm talking about the the crap, not not like so. Not, oh, just um, bullying, not like, bullying, uh, but run like of the, the mill news, bullying? like like the news and like how everything is so crappy as far as like the content that you see. Are you talking on, about America or Western yeah, media? Yeah, versus like Japan. West, West, Western media, like the the crap that gets integrated into the social lives of people. I I don't. And again, oh, you know what? Yeah. I, I I can't. I can see. I can't, well, J- Japanese Twitter can be just as toxic, though. So the the problem with me is this: I probably think that Japanese is not as toxic because I don't look at any of it. You don't have the inputs. <laughs> I don't. I, I have a poverty of input. <laughs> we did a circle. We did a circle yeah, around yeah, got, to what yeah. you were saying earlier. Right, I, great. Yeah, yeah. I don't look at Twitter. I don't look at Instagram. <laughs> I look at Facebook once a week, and uh, I have not made a comment on anything on social media in the past six or seven months so i don't have i can't i can't say anything man that's a good way to end it yeah (laughs) what were you gonna say sorry before we go oh that just last last thoughts last thoughts on english education go on you you have the last word charging to the future and that's not propaganda or is it Is that it? Yeah, that's all. I don't really have it. Those are your last words. Okay. Yeah, those are my last words.